Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are going to continue our sail through the first season of SpongeBob SquarePants. This episode is a big, important episode for this podcast, for me personally, in so many ways, and I'm going to lay it all on the table for you as to why. Um... A lot of paths are finally meeting up to the main path today, and it's just so nice to finally get this out there, talk about it, and and see how things grow with this show. Um, so to go over the last few months, a uh, few months ago on April 13th, 2020, I was at work. And I, you know, will throw kind of YouTube videos on uh, while I'm working, getting stuff done. And one of one of my favorite YouTubers for animation videos and content is a youtuber which he he rarely says his name in videos and i had to go back to an earlier one to to kind of get the pronunciation and even the video i found seemed like it wasn't a hundred percent correct but maybe that's what most people thought it was so if i get this wrong i'm i'm gonna put at least a little bit of the blame on him for not constantly maybe reminding people and how it's said but um veilski bum 94 on YouTube. I have been following this YouTuber for a couple of years now. He posts content having to do with so many different animation properties. And it's not it's not just news content. A lot of it will be news and updates for projects I think he isn't excited about. But what I really love is sometimes he will put videos up of really niche moments in animation history that people might not know, like like one commercial that aired or or one specific video game that was released. And that's the kind of stuff I've really always kind of gone to him for. Um, so on April 13th, 2020, he puts up a video, and the title of the video is The First SpongeBob Movie is Getting Remade. And I was like, okay, um, that seems interesting. What is this about? Uh, and I don't... I don't remember my initial thoughts, but I imagine it was along the lines of maybe, you know, Nickelodeon re-releasing it in 4K or something like that, which I hope they do for the 20th anniversary or at least the 25th or no, hope they release it for the 25th, at least the 20th. Um, but no, it was actually about a, the, a fan project, fans coming together to, to reanimate the SpongeBob movie uh, in the way that reminded me of Shrek retold if anybody has ever seen the video Shrek retold or at least the trailer for it um the video the movie uh, a bunch of fans of Shrek came together and and reanimated the the first Shrek movie in which you know every every like 10 15 minutes or so a new animation or art style would take over the story at that point um and it's I'm not saying that was the first one, but at least for me in my world, that was the first time I ever really saw the capabilities of fans and, and artists alike to kind of, kind of come together and create something new, you know? And um, I loved seeing that. The idea is wonderful. But then here's SpongeBob getting the same treatment. And I thought the second I saw that video and watched the whole thing, I was like, I have to be a part of this in, in some way, shape, or form. Now, a little history lesson about myself. Obviously, I love animation. I, I love all of it. Anime, you know, the early the early stuff, the stuff I grew up with, current animation. Um, 
I love it. And and at some point in my life, because of SpongeBob, I realized how much I loved drawing him and and the Rugrats and all these characters throughout the '90s that I should probably get into animation. Um, and not to go into that story too deep, I didn't go into animation, but it is still a path I know that it will always be there for me. It is something I know that if I if I want to go down it, I will, no matter what age I am. So that's why I'm. it doesn't upset me too much. It does a little bit that I, I'm not into it right now. But um, so I'm like, I, I need to be a part of this project uh, somehow. You know, so what else do I have? Well, I'm good with audio engineering. I've been doing that for a few years. Editing, um, I, you know, voicing. I've I have been on podcasts for years. I've been on the radio. I, I have, I think, a decent voice for, for what I do. Um, and so I, I joined right under uh, Veilsky Bum 94's video. There was all of the social media links to to this movie. And the first one was the Discord. So I immediately went to the Discord and I immediately sought after one of the hosts of the project to kind of pitch this idea that I'm going to lay out to you right now. The idea being that, like, hey, I'm not good with animation, but here's a few other things I can do. But the biggest thing I can offer you is my podcast. I know it seems like it's in its infancy, but this is something that I'm going to keep going with my entire life, regardless on popularity. I, I would love for it to be big in the SpongeBob community, but, you know, that's not up to me. But here's here's what I have. is an open door, a podcast, to invite anybody who works on the, on the project, an open door to come in, be interviewed, have a conversation about the project, SpongeBob, and so on and so forth. Now, that original host um, was very open to the idea, but I think they were on their way out. They kind of moved on from the project, and a few other hosts kind of took over. So at that point, I reached out to one of those hosts, gave them the same the same kind of pitch, and they were like, you know what, let's bring it to the other hosts. And uh, <laughs> I got put in a room with five people, and was told to pitch. And this is the, I never said this to them, but this is the first, I'll say this publicly. I was sweating bullets, um, doing voice to chat, making sure everything I was saying was getting, you know, written down correctly because, you know, you have that moment that you're on the spot and you need to make sure that you present yourself in the best way you possibly can and the best way to present your idea. Cause you shouldn't have to maybe re explain it later on. You should make sure that you are, um, you, you speak clearly or you type clearly or you're coming off clearly on what your idea is and the idea of having a complete open door for anyone working on the show and, and being a sponsor for the project. So the fact that I'm talking about all this should be enough to tell you that, yes, as of now, my podcast is an official sponsor for the SpongeBob movie Rehydrated. So for the next year or so because um, this movie is not set to debut until the fall of 2021 for the next year or so I am going to be having conversations with anybody who works on this project anybody who from somebody who just working on on voice acting and 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 music to a lot of the animators uh, and it is a complete honor for me to have these individuals on because like me they are driven by um, by art they are driven by creativity and they are driven by spongebob um this podcast is a tribute to steven hillenberg and this movie is a tribute to steven hillenberg and talking with these people for as little as i have in my life it feels nice kind of coming together all these people of possibly different backgrounds, you know, well, 100% different backgrounds, different ages, different races, different genders, all coming together to make something as good as they could make it, a tribute to Steven Hillenburg, a remake of the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Um, and it's just, it's been a blast so far. So I, I've had this in the works for so long, but I didn't want to talk about it too early and then have something come crashing down. So the fact that it's officially happening, it's officially moving forward, it's a great feeling. So today I present you with the first ever uh, conversation I had with someone based off of this project. Um, so the person I, I spoke to, they go by the name The Gons Fam, and they are a voice actor 
on the SpongeBob movie Rehydrated. Speaking of which, I myself am also going to be a voice actor in the movie playing characters that I'm not going to talk about right now. It is not that big of a secret, but I'm trying to keep it as close to the chest as I can um, until until further notice. But, uh, but I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this project in a, in a multitude of ways, and I'm, I'm so proud to, to bring these individuals on and talk to them and just have conversations about SpongeBob and what they do. Um, so it was, it was such an honor to start with the Gans fam, and I really think he set the bar high on, on these conversations. So um, I don't, just because things could change, I don't want to over-promote individuals that will be on this or groups. Um, but just know a lot of episodes coming out in the future are going to be with a lot of these fans. And I can already say that I, I am excited 110% to talk to each and every person uh, about SpongeBob, about this project. And, um, and, and please, by all means, anybody who is on this show... Uh, check out their social media. Check out their work. I, I'm sure fans, members of the Ready Crew out there are uh, fans of entertainment, fans of art, fans of SpongeBob. So so by all means, please check out any of these individuals' YouTube channels, Twitters, anything that they promote. Um, it'll be a, a huge help for me and it'll be a huge help for them. So without further ado, I present to you my conversation with the Gans fam while we watch the episode Muscle Bob Buff Pants. Enjoy. This is the first time I've had anybody on the show that I am unaware of. Uh, I've never met you in person. This is actually the first time we're speaking uh, together. So your voice, it's its weird to be talking with someone for a while and then to finally hear their voice. It may not exactly be one-to-one. But I figure it on the fact that I'm talking with the upcoming Squidward for the SpongeBob movie Rehydrated that... I, I had an idea on how you would sound like, and I wasn't that off, but you, <laughs> I don't know if you thought that was weird uh, when you first talked. Well, maybe, you know what? Maybe not for you, Gans, because uh, you've probably listened to a few episodes of the show, so you probably already had an idea on what my voice sounded like. Yes. <laughs> I've given it a couple listens, and um, I, I would say that I, I didn't have any expectations for the voice because it's really a podcast, but, um, but yeah. And just to say, I love your podcast, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, it means it means the world coming from somebody I assume is a fellow like massive SpongeBob fam. You hit the nail right on the head there. Yeah. So, uh, your so your username you go by the Gons Fams, but from this point on, I'm just going to call you Gons. Uh, how did you? You know, let's start from the beginning. Today is is SpongeBob's birthday. We had mentioned that earlier that it was kind of a very nice coincidence that in the day that we're recording was also Spongebob's birthday. Where where do you remember, like, what's your earliest re- thought of Spongebob Squarepants as a show, as a character? Well, I have to say, as a show, it doesn't come back to me that often, but I do remember just being, having been born, I was born a year before the show came out. Really? I, yes, You're... I was born in 98. <laughs> uh, you know what, we didn't talk about ages or anything beforehand, but... uh but wow, that's all right. So you were so when you were growing up as a as a toddler, SpongeBob was already in full full swing all over Nickelodeon. Yeah, it came up pretty often in my family, and I remember very well my dad saying, "This is never going to catch on." It just and then one day he just watches it with me, and I'm just laughing like a dope and something, and he just starts cracking up along with me, and then ultimately it became something me and my family bond over like on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, my mother was never into watching cartoons with me. She would watch Disney movies, but when it came to, you know, the cartoons I was into growing up watching Rugrats, and then I just remember my mother being the one bringing me to the Rugrats movie and Pokemon, the first movie, having to sit through those things, bless her heart. Um, but my father, on the other hand, I was able to find three shows 
over time that he would not just watch with me, but actually enjoy. Um, when I was a bit younger, it was Beavis and Butthead at first because it was just very childish humor. It was very easy for, for two guys to just bond over that, you know, fart jokes and whatnot. Um, and then the other two were SpongeBob and Courage the Cowardly Dog. Um, I always thought maybe for Courage, my father was just into the whole spooky horror aspect of it, and maybe that's what piqued his interest. But SpongeBob, I have no explanation for it. It was just one day he would he watched with me. We laughed over the uh, the episode of the paper, and then just from there, you know, he was completely watching SpongeBob with me all the time. And so this is like the early two thousands, right before the uh, the movie came out when when I think the third season may have just started. Excellent. That's that's very nice to hear. I mean, I, I can't explain why necessarily anyone would get into SpongeBob just out of the blue, but I have to say they would stay on for not just the humor, but the undying message of optimism that SpongeBob has conveyed all over these countless years. That's, I mean, that's the main reason why I love it so much. Um, there's there's a multitude of reasons. I, I grew up watching Nickelodeon, so all those 90s Nicktoons I have such an affection for. Um, those early 2000s, I thought Nickelodeon really hit their stride with Fairly Odd Parents, Jimmy Neutron, Danny Phantom, the, the Nicktoons Unite crew there. Um, but there was just something about SpongeBob that stood above the rest. And when you kind of boil it down, it really is, well, all those shows have really fun, goofy characters. There's cartoonish voices. There's interesting plot lines. But what about SpongeBob stands out? And when you look at him as a character, it is it is that positivity and that optimism that is not present in any other cartoon character of, of those times. I think, you know, maybe Tommy Pickles would be in there as a very optimistic character. But he was also fairly popular, too, up until SpongeBob dethroned the Rugrats at some point. I know, and it was a big accomplishment when... SpongeBob ultimately became Nicktoons, a cornerstone of cartoons, in a way of speaking, because we we already had some greats coming out of Nickelodeon, and it, and I have to say, when I look at SpongeBob, I just see, and I mean, I mean the character, just is in one single image of SpongeBob smiling or jumping or something. I just see, oh man, that is some optimism that I aspire to have. I, 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 I personally just wish I was half the optimistic person Spongebob could be because then my life would be just set for forever. Well, of course, because then anytime life sends you one of those boulders that you have to, to take, you know, you have to handle, you have to, you know, uh, get on top of it. At least if you were that optimistic and things got you down, you'd be able to get it back up a lot easier. Um, I, so now that I know, all right, so you were born, you said 1998. Yep. So you missed... I mean, by the time you were probably able to remember watching Nickelodeon, all of the, really the 90s shows, other than Rugrats was still running on, all of those 90s shows were pretty much wrapped up at that point. I think Hey Arnold ended in 2004. Um, what are your thoughts? Have you gone back and watched any of those old shows like Ren and Stimpy and Rocco and Angry Beavers, Cat Dog, like... Yes, primarily. I remember there was a time I got into Ren and Stimpy. I, I've, I've seen quite a few of the reruns from a young age to now. I remember um, Hey Arnold is something me and my mom had bonded over because I thought that looks like a fun show, and I checked it out. And yes, it was it was not only fun, but it was diverse. And I know a lot of the things they were doing in the 90s were very outrageous with their humor. like. But I think that's kind of what was kind of a trendsetter for modern day cartoons, it, like Ren and Stimpy in its own right, or, and of course SpongeBob having that sort of surreal, unexplainable humor as to why is this funny, and while it does have a quality of you know, they're jokes and they're good jokes, but they're just like this Nickelodeon is known for do sliming people in a way, and I think that's just one of the ultimate trendsetters in cartoon history, and I just. That's my well, fondest. It, th there was an art form to sliding those adult jokes past the censors. Exactly. Um, it, it's it's an art form that obviously because as time has gone on, people there it, it's easier to catch stuff. You know, I've listened to Alex Hirsch talk about trying to slide through adult jokes in Gravity Falls, and that there were you know there's certain things that 
they thought, oh, man, there's no way anyone's going to catch this and that they would catch it. So um, it's certainly grown over time, but, like, I I can't think of any other network that had that so prominently with things like Run and Stimpy and even shows like Rugrats, as kind of tame as it was compared to something like Run and Stimpy, still had one or two of those, like, really intense adult jokes that you'd have to, like, blink and you miss it type situations. Um, and it's funny going back now as an adult and catching those and going, oh, wow, all right, can't believe I missed that for almost 30 years. Most definitely. <laughs> now, so I uh, I got started in this collab by uh, um, a YouTube video. Saw that, you know, hey, there was this, there was this thing happening. Um, here's the link for the Discord. And without knowing what I could do, I just completely I just joined the Discord um, you know, kind of looking at the rooms, seeing the people, what's going on, what's being said. Uh, where did you first come across the collaboration to remake this movie? Well, I had heard about it around the beginning of its time being a thing. Like when they first conceived it, I heard of it through YouTube, like around that time, back when, before there were different hosts and all that. And, um, but when I, I think what I remember most is how I heard of what they'd be doing with voice acting and all that. I, I didn't realize at first that they would be using voice actors and music composers and all that. And a friend of mine who's also a voice actor um, happened to mention to another friend of mine and then me about the project. On, and there was a series of auditions on this website called Casting Call Club. Yep. yep. And yes. And uh, when he mentioned that, I... My friend and I immediately, well, my friend, who was told by him, told me about it, and we both decided we'd go for it. Now, I auditioned for quite a few roles, um, not least of all, I'd say, Patrick and Plankton, along with the ones I ended up becoming, which would be Squidward, the Royal Crown Polisher, and the Goofy Goober. But um, ultimately, I'm just happy to have gotten anything, and so I'd have to say my experience has since blossomed into building connections and ultimately just bonding over this incredibly ambitious project. Yeah, oh, I it's it's so ambitious, but it's such a good idea from from every corner because man, I just imagine when this drops the amount of effort that's being put in. And the one thing you mentioned was you didn't think that there would be a chance for voice acting because normally on these kind of collabs where people get together and reanimate you know there's a lot of them on youtube where they reanimate a specific episode of a show or um a short film this is reanimating an entire movie which the only other time i was known of that being done was when they did shrek retold Mm -hmm. um and that did different voices too no one else really tackled that and then all of a sudden here comes spongebob and i think it's just so It's so perfect um, because SpongeBob, the one thing, just along with Shrek, it's fueled by its fans. And to get all these creative fans together is is incredible. So then having the voice acting part come up was uh, was pretty good. Now, um, I didn't say I didn't say anything on the show yet. I did audition for a few roles and I did get a few, although I'm not going to. I'm going to keep those close to the belt as much as I can. Um, but your your parts, you have, first off, Squidward, which is one of the best characters in the ap- ap- the whole show. Unfortunately, in the movie, his, his role is not as big as I think it should be, but at least, hey, he got more lines than Sandy did. Um, you're also the crown polisher, which is, of course, a very funny scene. And then you're also Goofy Goober, who... For a character that debuted in that movie, has almost grown, a, just had its own second life out, outside of that movie. Like, that character is so well known, and even just calling people Goofy Goober is a very, you know, it's a it's a big thing. How does it feel to be Squidward and, and Goofy Goober and the Crown Polisher? Like, how, how does that, how did that sink in when you got, got those? Well... I mean, when when I first heard, I honestly did, was going to check the website, but I heard from my friend who was also in this project. And uh, when I heard of this, those three roles, just the fact that I heard even one of them was, oh, my God, I'm over the moon. I couldn't believe I was part of something this 
significant. And even if it was just not well known at all, but just the fact that it's taking on this much effort just blew my mind that I was had any sort of allowance to be a part of it. For, I was, for one, I was especially happy about Squidward because I had been doing, I had been practicing his voice for at least like a year and a half, and um, I, I, I love his personality, and not that he's a grumpy down in the dumps guy, but or even his, like I just love his passion for things that he loves, like music, art, and the fact is, he he's not gonna let anything, even his bad attitude get in the way of becoming a success one day and i like to think that ultimately one day he will get what he wants and as for the chrome polisher and the goofy goober those are also pretty incredible because i mean i know they're smaller roles the really small roles in the movie but i'd have to say specifically the goofy goober i just find the whole concept funny of a chuck e cheese like parody coming along well the fact going... that it's a peanut too always <laughs> the peanut yes <laughs> It's so hilarious how weird these – where did they come up with these ideas? I don't know. No, I, I have no idea. I mean, I can I can see them having, like, who does SpongeBob and Patrick – like, the whole dynamic of the movie is trying to show growth, you know, try, you know, being told you're a kid, then showing you're an adult. So, all right, what do kids – kids look up to some characters, and I they didn't use Mermaid and Barnacle Boy in the movie – Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy um, – but they, you know, created this kind of Barney-esque, Chuck E. Cheese-like character of the Goofy Goober. But just the idea that he was a peanut always made, I don't know, it was just funny from the get-go. The idea that these undersea creatures even know what a peanut is. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they just, like, oh, anytime they see a peanut, it's just, oh, yeah, that's Goofy Goober. Like, that came first, other than the uh, the peanut idea. Like, yeah, may, like maybe it had to be some sort of land creature who who helped facilitate this, or you know there are some sea creatures that can go up on land too. So they have an experience seeing a peanut, and then they go back down and create this character, and then it's just a completely new concept for everybody in town. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of how when they introduced Sandy, like just bringing a land creature underwater and then having a, no explanation why until a few seasons later. I found that completely outrageous and surreal in the best way. Did you um did you need the explanation for why Sandy was under there? Did that after watching that episode, did you f- feel mm-hmm. like it was like okay, I I'm I appreciate that I know. Yeah, I I appreciated knowing and it, and I like the angle they took on it. It was kind of interesting to see all that come into play, but I don't think it was necessary. I think they could have just gone at least a long time, not necessarily the whole time, just not knowing why she's there and ultimately just not addressing it. In a way, it's kind of like, it's kind of humorous in and of itself, just having her there with no explanation. Yeah, it, I mean, that's that's the whole joke, is that there's this squirrel living in this big dome under the water, um, and living successfully without without really any issues. Um, and that's the one thing, I probably my one disappointment with the first Spongebob movie is Sandy's lack of screen time. Um she has two lines throughout the entire movie, and I feel like she's a character that could have been used in some extra way. I don't know what that way is. Obviously, I trust Steven Hillenburg, but I don't know. That was just my one, even as a kid seeing that, like, oh, man, like, Sandy was barely in it. I agree. And to me, it kind of reflects something that was present in something I will that my friends will tell you I bring up way too much, and that is the SpongeBob musical in which Sandy is very prominent, not only as a character for comedic effect, but as a story of female empowerment. And that's one of the things she is. Like, she's a very strong, smart woman who has all these great qualities. She's very kind. And I think over the course of the series, that has taken up a little more prominence, her special skills and all that. And as weird as it is that she's a squirrel, it's still pretty interesting to see someone in this cartoon that's been around since late 90s, early 2000s, who represents women in, like, the best way. Yeah, and also, the one thing, because you bring up the musical, the one thing that they usually have used Sandy for in um, at least two other episodes I can think about, and the musical, is they kind of use her as a, almost an allegory for race relations, too. Um, There's the episode where where they go up on land, where that whole land critters versus sea critters 
argument they have. But then, of course, in the musical, it's very much on its head where the town blames, like at least because of old man Jenkins, blames Sandy for everything that's going wrong just because she's different. Yes, I think that sums it up perfectly. I think not only the fact that um, she is um, a strong female power, but she's also someone who comes from somewhere way different. Like she's foreign to these sea creatures, and ultimately they're quick to judge no matter how diverse of a community they already are. And that says a lot about how no matter how much we as a people can say we're diverse and all that, we, it, when it comes down to it, we, need, we still have a lot to learn about accepting what's different just because it's different. And I think it, it's beautiful how they portray it there and should be portrayed more frequently in the show. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I like when they can step away a little bit from Sandy just being into science and actually getting a little bit more of her character. I, I feel like they were doing that in the earlier seasons. Um and I didn't realize why I didn't like later seasons. Um, and, and that's kind of the point of the show a little bit, even though it's going to be a few years till I get to episodes I haven't seen. Um, but it was like, you know what? I want to sit down. I want to give watch every episode and sit and give each one a chance with a completely just fresh lens. How does it look? Because it somebody pointed out to me at some point that the later seasons just took every character Every character is like one archetype and completely turns it to 11. Like Sandy in the earlier season showed a little bit love for science, but now she's all about it. And that's all she talks about in the later stuff. Uh, it wasn't until someone mentioned that to me that I was like, oh, yeah, I can. Maybe that's a little bit why I, I don't watch a lot of the newer stuff. Yeah, true. I think, well, science is a great thing for her to have. I think probably you're right. It should be a little more various, like not just focus too hard on one thing. Yeah, it's either like they, it's super into science or super into karate. That's that's kind of Sandy's M.O. right there. Exactly. Um, there was one thing I wanted to touch on. You mentioned about Squidward. Um, and I love that for Squidward, no matter how much people tell him he's not good at music, he's not good at art, he's not good at dancing, he's not good at acting – he just keeps going. And I think that it's a message. I don't know if it was intended, but given that SpongeBob has been around for 20 years now, it's a message that if you love something, regardless on if someone else thinks you're good at it, or even if you don't think you're that good at it, but if you love it, keep going with it. Cause practice makes perfect. No one, no one is going to start playing the clarinet and all of a sudden be paid you know, to, to watch, you have to start somewhere. Yes. And I can relate to that story very much. Um, as I, um, that's one thing that resonates with me and Squidward in the sense that I have, when I found my passion finally in voice acting, um, it was, I had for a while been practicing it and not getting anywhere. Like I couldn't even get a basic voice, just one. And a lot of people pointed that out, and it was discouraging. But, but ultimately, I had the fortunately I had the encouragement of my parents and a few other people who were close to me. And ultimately, over the time, I've developed my skill. I can't say I'm necessarily a good voice actor, but I've I've done passing enough to get on, for example, this project. And I guess that a cynicism in Squidward, I would say, like me, whatever in the past, stems from being told you're not good enough. And ultimately, it's very validating once when you finally hear you're actually pretty good. And I think that's why Squidward is more significant of a character and even maybe a role model than people give him credit for. Well, absolutely. There's that joke that, you know, kids, when you're when you're a kid, you enjoy SpongeBob more. But then when you become an adult, you tend to almost live Squidward, you know, waking <laughs> up in the morning. Oh, I got to go to work. All this bad stuff is happening to me. And you start... Okay, yeah, I feel a little bit more like Squidward than I do SpongeBob. Exactly, yeah, and yeah, Squidward is a little world weary. He like he sees the the world almost like the way it is, and he's like, "Oh man, this is a bummer." But uh, ultimately, I'd say it's not so much that you grow up that you grow up and you're necessarily going to become Squidward. I know it's a joke, but I'd say you grow up to whoever you decide to be, and I'm hoping more than 
most people will grow up to be someone like SpongeBob. I know that's what I long to be for the rest of my life. Even when I'm an old man Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I find a, a bit of each character in me at some points. I I can certainly be stingy with money and not want to spend. Um, I can certainly be a sloth and uh, and just kind of zone out like a like a Patrick. And then of course working, I have those Squidward moments of. You could just get a, a nasty customer, and you have that internal monologue. And I just always think of the giant button that Squidward wears in the uh, Krusty Krab training video. I wish I could be anywhere else right now. It's like the one thought that goes in my mind when I'm in one of those situations. And I'm just nodding my head to the customer like, yep, yeah, you're right. No, no, we're the worst. <laughs> that is so true. And yes, I, while I believe... There are some quality, some characters have bet more qualities that are better to emulate than others. I would say, I think every character, at least main character in SpongeBob, has something worth emulating, and that's reasonability or being rational with spending, like Mr. Krabs. Even if not, as long as he doesn't become a greed, or even having dreams such as that you might not not achieve, but ultimately going for it anyway, like Squidward, even Plankton a little, as long as it's not so nefarious. And I think. At some point or another, we all emulate these main characters from SpongeBob because they are just so much a definition of of our community. No, oh, of course. I mean, they those characters had to be have been pulled from somewhere. And if you ever listen to any voice actor, they will tell you, you know, when it came to a character where they pulled that voice from. And, and a lot of times you'll hear, "Oh, I knew I knew people who spoke like that, like Seth MacFarlane, his voice for Peter Griffin is, he's like, I knew several Peter Griffins up in New England, like just big guys who talk like that. Um, so it, even though these characters are completely fictional, they're underwater, they're not human, they still have so many human elements because, hey, that's that's where it's coming out of, our head drawing it on paper, writing, and then our voices. Exactly. I mean, even in, yeah, their voices, I would say, I think even that is drawn from a human element. For example, Tom Kenny, we know the story of where he got a SpongeBob voice from, from a little little person who was very angry at the time, ironically, <laughs> and swearing up a storm and saying all these things, but he had that high voice. But there's also, I think, I don't know for sure, but I would say Roger Bumpus probably decided on a Squidward voice based on the nasality and the deep nasality in pitch and timbre was probably... Just to convey that snobbish yet downtrodden individual, like I can just hear Squidward talking right now and just say, "That's the kind of guy who's complaining all the time." I uh, I can't wait to eventually talk to Roger Bumpus. It's going to happen at some point, and I I missed him at a con. Uh, I think it was earlier this year. I was working, and my brother happened to be going on on Saturday, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to give you my Squidward pop." Here's a here's a paint marker, you know, and here's forty dollars. Have him sign it. Um, and I get a text from my brother hours later, saying like, "Hey, I got it signed, but there's a bit of an issue." And I was like, "What?" And he sent me a picture, and I guess he didn't speak up loud enough to what my name was. So there was a pop that said "To Harry, Roger Bumpus," and then Harry was crossed out, and then Eric was there, and I guess he yelled at him as Squidward. Because when he told him, like, oh, my brother's name is Eric, Squidward yelled at him. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's a funny story for you. But I, I, this pop is is not ruined, but, man, it's weird. And I found someone who was going the next day, went and found another Squidward pop, gave him the paint marker. And I guess uh, Mr. Bumpus didn't sign with the paint marker this time. He just did with a Sharpie. But I have I have two right above my bed. Roger Bumpus signed Squidward's and one is... One is to Harry by accident. Oh wow, <laughs> that actually is a funny story. And yeah, I'm sorry you missed him, but and I. <laughs> yeah. He seems. Pretty... He seems like the most proud of being on SpongeBob. Um, not only is almost any picture I've ever seen him in, he's wearing a Squidward shirt, but he actually has a probably the biggest SpongeBob collection there is. Or at least if it's not the biggest, it certainly has, I imagine, some one-of-a-kind pieces from him working on the show. 
I find that both ironic because he plays someone who probably wants nothing to do with SpongeBob, <laughs> and um, pretty and then amazing. He's, he's collecting him. Yes, like, wow, secret, wow. But I think also that he's not only got a pride for the pride for the work he does on SpongeBob, but he got pride in his work in general because I've seen his interviews and talking about his passion and for voice acting and the fact that he believes firmly that in many ways it's harder than acting in front of a camera because you've got to show a lot more without the benefit of visual aid and I think that just goes to show exactly how much he loves doing this and obviously he probably wouldn't have been able to stick around and do a good job for all these years had he not loved Spongebob from the get-go and kept going with it oh of course absolutely yeah and uh, I mean, he's he's a part of the reason why Squidward is so amazing. Um, now, on our episode for today, we have uh, the season one episode, Muscle Bob Buff Pants, um, and the the over the over under of this episode really is lying to your friend, but then going so f- going so far as to knowingly let the lie basically be exposed in front of everybody and like getting to that embarrassing moment of the of the anchor arm competition or the uh the anchor throwing competition like instead of just being like i can't do this Mm. actually going to attempt it have you ever found yourself in a lie that you that you saw all the way to the end fully knowing that it was going to blow up in your face Um, I, well, I can't think of an example at the moment. I know this has happened on way too many occasions in my case. I feel as though I, a lot of times in school, I would definitely tell people, oh yeah, I can do this. And ultimately they'd say, good, can we see? And then ultimately I just go for it because I'm like, it, it's, I'm, I'm in too deep. I can't back out now. And then just, it blows up in my face immediately. Yeah, I can't even, like, for the last week I was trying to think of, like, I know it's happened to me a dozen times, but I can't, I can't pick out, I can't think of one. I just know I've definitely been in those situations where I talked something up so much, and then when I was put in the spot, did it. And I think a few occasions it actually worked out in my favor where there might have been a fluke or I actually was good at something that I didn't know I was good at. But then, yeah, I had those certain times where I was exposed right away and instantly, like, you know, at that point, it's either do you keep double downing when it's open or do you just admit that you you made it up the whole time? Yeah. Hmm. Now, this also a lot of this episode does come from SpongeBob's inept ability to seemingly gain muscle. I mean, it's been a joke from the first episode that his weights are are teddy bears and his whole gym is essentially like a preschool room. Um, how, how do you do with like exercise and working out? Have you do you go to a gym? Do you just kind of go through your everyday life? Do you ever find yourself wanting to get a little bit stronger? Like how does does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, I've been. I've had moment times in my life when I'm not in the best shape at all, and uh, I gotta really work it off. And but these days, I'd say a lot of it is just cardio, and I'm just trying to take off a few pounds, not trying not to gain anything during the quarantine that's going on. And um, you know, I'm definitely um, I keep it light, but still, I try to make sure every day is something for me doing, getting, gaining muscle and losing weight. And, well, of yeah. course. Do you do you uh, do you have a a room? Do you lift stuffed animals as weights? Is that something that that would help you out? I don't. <laughs> I, I honestly think stuffed animals might be enough for me because I do not have very much muscle. So, I I honestly, yeah. Well, I think my yeah. I think people seem to forget too that the bar itself is always at least twenty pounds. So it's not even that SpongeBob is lifting stuffed animals. He's really just having trouble lifting the bar. Oh yes, it's. I would agree there. <laughs> I mean, he does have to get the stuffed animals onto the bar, so he he doesn't have a problem picking one up. Um, so yeah, we're going to we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're actually gonna gonna watch Muscle Bob Buff Pants together, and um, and yeah, talk about it.
2,000 years later. All right, and we're back, and we have uh, muscle, bob, muscle Bob Buff Pants at the ready. If you would like to watch along, by all means, grab your DVD, go to Amazon Prime. I believe by early next year, all the episodes will be on CBS All Access, which I'm, I'm very, um, very excited to see how CBS handles their, their app there. Especially in this world where everybody, I don't know what kind of, if you have any of the streaming services, what you use. Um, but it seems like there's so many now and it's kind of almost hard to decide which one you're going to pick up. Has that been tough for you at all? Oh, um, as for streaming services, yes. I've been, I've had plenty of times when I, you know, want to get a streaming service. And it's like, like even DC Universe, a more obscure one, or HBO Max, a better well-known one. And um I got to cut costs and ultimately decide which ones I'm not going to do with and which ones are more, like, provide more. Yeah, that, and especially with DC Universe, um, it was a good idea, but then here comes HBO Max that was going to take all of their shows, and I really thought that once HBO Max debuted, that DC Universe would kind of instantly just get swept up in it, because I believe they're the same price, uh, and I was really shocked that that didn't happen. Yeah, I'm hoping eventually more DC properties come to HBO Max, but for now we just gotta hope. Absolutely, and I and I really do hope the the one thing about uh, Nickelodeon shows is there's not one place that houses all of them. There's some of them available on Amazon Prime, some on Hulu, CBS All Access, and then Verve has that really decent selection, but just such an expensive price just for like seven or eight shows. True, true. All right. So if you want to watch along, we uh, we have it at the ready. Um, and if you want to press play, uh, and we are starting this right at the beginning of the intro, just happenstance, um, and we can press play now. Um, now, so th this intro, probably the most iconic intro in all animation. Um, there seems – I don't think this is such a debate, but I I keep reading this, um, this information about Painty the Pirate – do you you've of course seen Sponge Out of Water, the second SpongeBob movie? Um, yes. They've seemed to have just kind of accepted that Burger Beard is Painty the Pirate because of the end of that movie. Is that something that you agree with, or because I kind of disagree with that a little bit? I have a lot of fan theories about things that are related to the show. This is not one of them. I don't believe Antonio Banderas' character Burger Beard is necessarily Painty the Pirate. That was just a, a throwaway gag that was very good, but ultimately took on a life of its own. Yeah, kind of. It, it kind of seemed more official, and I was really shocked by that. Because um, I was like, I didn't. I watched that movie, and I even though he turns into Painty, I didn't take it as like, oh, they're the one and the same. So now I kind of want to fight that. Get a <laughs> eventually get to somebody who works on the show and get their take on it. Um, so yeah, here yeah. we see here we see SpongeBob. Absolutely failing to, or not really failing, but at first really failing to, to lift his uh, his teddy bears here. He eventually does it, but then we get the joke that it's actually a super light uh, a bar. I have had situations like that where um, I lifted, you know, in high school, trying out for football and whatnot, going in the gym, uh, lifting something that I thought was incredibly like, yeah, this is a lot of weight. And I can lift this up. And then you do it once, and you're like, all right, yeah. And then you have some guy throw on an extra, like, 100 pounds, and then he's just up and down. And I'm like, all right, well, there was my chance. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times this happened to me since high school. I mean, <laughs> I was always trying to impress the, the girls, if I'm being honest, with uh, my weightlifting. And ultimately, they would just happen to walk by when the guy after me would pump, put on all the other weight and then just go for it. And I'm like, let me just walk away here. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm not too. I always love this gag. Hold on, the the big muscle SpongeBob, <laughs> which um, yes. that's why I always found it. Speaking of Sponge out of water, it's just weird that this gets brought up again. Obviously, his superhero form, Invincible Bubble, has the upper body of of that SpongeBob, but then he his lower half is still the square pants and the skinny legs. Oh yes, I actually never thought of that. Yeah, I always I, when I when I first saw that design, I'm like, why didn't they just copy the full muscle <laughs> muscle body from this the season? Um, so we have here we have Sandy 
helping to train SpongeBob. Um, but man, she's going about it very. She's super intense, which we obviously see later on in a in an episode uh, where uh, SpongeBob is helping Sandy get ready for uh, for her long winter nap. Uh, I think it's called procrast not procrastination. Uh, pre hibernation. Um, I knew there was a P, and I'm like on the spot. I'm like, uh oh. I know it ends with an A O I O N. Um, Sandy, it, it, probably my one negative part of even as a kid watching this was just how rough and intense she was in her ability to try to help SpongeBob. Yeah, I think she really went overboard here. I mean, SpongeBob had a point when he when he said one of my favorite lines in the show: "This squirrel's trying to kill me." Oh, when he's when he's getting away from her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Oh, I love this. It's such such a good gag with, and apparently this shark. I don't know if you know his name, which mm. there's a, some of these characters um, that all have names that I just didn't realize until years later. But this this guy is Donald the Shark. Donald the Shark. Yeah. On Prime, it just says DV announcer, but that's interesting. <laughs> I yeah I guess he I guess he has a name which I I can only guess at a later point gets confirmed or maybe somebody working on the show just mentioned oh yeah that's Donald which yeah. Yeah, a lot of those background characters some have names and then some just don't they're still to this day like background fish five I mean a lot of fish got their name from the one scene plus their iconic one gag like Fred the fish and the my leg stuff. Oh, of course. Yeah. I love the... I wish they would have kept that, but I don't know if you caught the Muscle Beach sign. Now, it's, yeah. I think, the only time they ever called it Muscle Beach and spelled it like the mussels, the uh, yeah, the yeah. creatures in their shells. Yeah. I wish they would have kept that, because that is such a, a fun play on words. Yeah, it seems like it was a good faction of Goolagoon to have Muscle Beach right there and just do it every now and then, but no, some of these guys just went away. Now, of course, SpongeBob has these uh, these well-known anchor arms, which are just fun inflatables. But it's still pretty impressive with what he's able to do with them, even if it doesn't increase his strength at all. I mean, for the show part, he's still showing off to everybody, and they're they're working as far as a as far as a show-off level. Which means SpongeBob could probably enter muscle competitions that they have, which. Some are, some that I've seen out there, like a lot of the um, the stuff that Arnold Schwarzenegger used to do, really even wasn't about weightlifting. It was about the look of it, like the look of your body, the look of the muscles and whatnot. So SpongeBob could potentially enter one of those competitions and do a good job. Yeah, especially if you look at eventually that they would be so inconsistent with his level of strength, including that one time he strangled Mr. Krabs, lifted him off his desk. I. I'm just thinking to that, like, how often he could actually summon up the strength when he wants to. I mean, like, right here, he's, you're telling me he can lift a spatula, but, but moving a straw is, is tough for him, which, of course, it's, it's cartoon humor. They, like you said, they mess around with, with some of these as time goes on just to fit the story. Um, yeah. I was talking about last, uh, last week's episode, Fun, where they actually, like, the, the chum bucket for the entire show is across the street from the Krusty Krab, but in this one episode, in the beginning, they make the chum bucket seem like it's on the other side of town. I never knew that they ever did a time. There was a time when the chum bucket was not across the street. I, I it was just in the effect of like to have that chase scene of SpongeBob and Plankton, you know, because oh, it would yes. yeah it wouldn't work if Plankton just walked across the street to the chum bucket. Um, so they went like all over town and then right at the end of that, he's like walking right over to the chum bucket, but they're supposed to be on the other side of town. It's really, it's really weird. And it's the only time I can think of them doing that. Yeah. Well, that was his debut episode, right? For Plankton? Uh, no, no, that was, um, it was actually, I think his third appearance. He was, he had the Plankton episode and then he appeared in Culture Shock and then Fun was his was uh, it was the second episode where he was actually like a main part of the story, and not just oh, a, a background yes. character. Yes, now I recall. 
Yeah, a lot of these first seasons, what are your um what are your thoughts on just like the the first season in general? Like do you is there a well, first off, what is your favorite episode? Well, from the first season or from and just from the earlier seasons? Uh both actually. Like do you have a favorite episode in general of the entire series? Well, I only recently discovered my favorite episode ever has to be Christmas Who, just because of the wholesome loveliness of it. Yeah, and, I have to agree with that. Thank you. And um, I would say of the first season, I'm not entirely sure, because that, that, those are some of the originals. Um, I have to say maybe the help wanted just for the sake of the nostalgia and just seeing where everything started, how he got his job. I think it's a mustard on that he says. <laughs> I, I, I love that they have I mean I, I am just imagining it's not a pork hot dog. Like it's gotta be something else in just casing. But if it is a pork hot dog, that's even funnier. They were just like, Yeah, they have they have hot dogs under the sea, the same as we do. Yeah, I mean when it comes to Krabby Patties you have the the whole secret ingredients and what could probably something ocean related, but then they just have regular hot dogs like out of nowhere. My, so for, literally from an early age till now, one of my favorite gags to do in cartoons is literally something like this. Uh, I used yeah. to see it a lot in Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote cartoons where, um, uh, like, the way our world works is completely thrown out the window for a gag, just for a single gag, you know, having the wily e. coyote floating on air just to have that moment of realizing, like looking down and then falling. And then just seeing that anchor literally follow that guy wherever he's going, just cause you're getting crushed by this. It, it's, it's that kind of humor always gets to me. Yeah. The, the cartoon logic varies a lot. And, I, and one of my favorite kinds of gags is like this one where inanimate objects are practically sentient and aware of what's going on because they're, they have one mission. And that, in this case, it's crush the guy who is announcing everything, <laughs> which I, I, I would like if I was writing the show, I, I think I would want to throw in a gag to, I don't know I would want to explain. Is it either just that position? Like anybody who is, who is the ref for this or the guy who, who measures, is he going to get hit, or is it that particular fish? Like, if he leaves and he's home and somebody has an anchor arm co or a, a anchor throwing competition, does it destroy his house? Like, I would I would want to see that happen. Oh, man, that would have been a good for thing, like, after the episode ends. Like, he just goes home, and next thing you know, they're like, let's see an instant replay. Pfft, yeah, and the, the, the anchor just <laughs> destroys his house. Yeah. <laughs> Which that, so here we have the air completely just taking over different parts of Spongebob's body before ultimately his anchor arm inflatables deflate, fall off, and of course he's exposed. And the, and the crowd, to their credit, doesn't boo Spongebob. They just start cheering Sandy. Um, which I kind of like that. I feel like that would have that is something that would have elicited boos, but the crowd is like, eh, alright, it's over. Let's go back to cheering Sandy. Yeah, it's both in a way cute and kind of nice that they ultimately just don't go for him. Like, oh, you you lied to us, but they just they let it go. And it's also kind of funny because like they just leave it alone and it just I don't know how to explain, it, but it's funny. Yeah, it's um one of the things I, that that juice bar that we see in this episode does appear in in both Battle for Bikini Bottom and uh, and the Rehydrated remake, um, and that like. Man, those games really went deep cuts with some of their references. It was clearly made by people who watched SpongeBob to be able to pull, oh yeah, let's get the juice bar in there from from Anchor Arms and put that in the Goon level. Um, yeah, so that was Muscle Bob Buff Pants. Uh, one of, I mean, the first season episodes, a lot of them are are hit and miss. They're written a lot differently. It was the it was the the freshman year of SpongeBob, but. I really like that episode. Um, it's nice to see SpongeBob. It's hard to imagine now SpongeBob having an episode where he is lying um, or deceiving a friend. You know, that feels so ancient. So when you watch an episode like this, it at first is a little jarring. Like, oh, wow, they're having SpongeBob lie. But then it brings me back to why I love the original season so much, because these characters weren't one note 
characters. They had deeper levels to them. So a character like SpongeBob could be super optimistic, positive, but also be a little deceiving here and there. And, and that was something I really like about his character. Yes, and I, I agree that I think those layers of humanity and realisticness is really... Sorry. Um, <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely added to the character. Like, ultimately, in these later seasons, I still love the characters with all my heart. They keep their main qualities, but you're right. It is very one note, and I'd love to see more of that kiddish side of SpongeBob that's not just optimistic, but a little, like, immature in some ways, and he's still developing. He's growing, and I think the whole lying thing is just a part of that. Like, he just meant well, but he ultimately just did the wrong thing. Yeah, he and it and it and it and it the pie went in his face basically. He got caught. Yeah. Uh, and then we see at the end, I mean, I complained earlier about Sandy's uh, training, but she ended up finding something that even though it was still intense for SpongeBob, literally just changing the channels on her on her little acorn television, which is absolutely adorable. Um and I don't know if you caught this, but also her uh, she has a window in that living room, and the curtain is like rolled up like a sleeping bag. Which I don't know. I always just the they had a lot of fun drawing out the inside of Spun, uh, Sandy's tree because I don't think we ever see it before t this episode. Oh yes, I mean a lot of the just the backgrounds. If you look at them on some of, like the drawings, not just even in just Sandy's house, but even in SpongeBob's house, like you have the classic cliche gag of oh it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside but also there's the fact that they just have a lot of things that seem out of place but that adds to the quirkiness of Spongebob because like with everything from music to scenes nothing's ever keeps one thing one genre it's like it goes from nautical as usual to just like episodes I guess we want to nine like you just go from one thing to another that just seems out of place but that's what makes Spongebob Spongebob it's quirky yeah, it can have it can have those episodes, those moments where it just goes off the rails and is completely different. I mean, that's why my favorite episode is the Krusty Krab training video because it's it's everything you like about SpongeBob. You you get you get SpongeBob, you get Squidward and Patrick and Mr. Krabs, but it's just in this weird format that is is so genius to me. And and the fact that they haven't done more of those kind of episodes. Um, is nice. Maybe they just felt like they couldn't try it again, but I also wouldn't mind seeing like a training video on jellyfishing or, um, you know, something like SpongeBob and Sandy making a karate training video and the hilarity ensues throughout the, the town of whatever they're doing. Exactly. I think that it's very interesting. And let me just say that I know they could, if they wanted to, they could definitely get the same narrator for another training video because I know he's still doing like voice acting and stuff, but so I just hope they one day say, "Hey, we we want you back for this at least one time. Maybe do another da 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 da, -da something like that." Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, and I would even I'm surprised the anchor arms themselves haven't returned even as a gag, at least mm. that I don't know of. They could have. There are a few episodes I just haven't seen that I will. Um, but I feel like something like that. You know, this past season they had the return of of like doodle bob and bubble buddy and all these kind of returns and i just wish that even as a gag if spongebob whipped out the the muscle arms it would be a uh the anchor arms it would be a huge a huge crowd pleasing moment i know i like i know the very very most recent episodes has been a lot about the cameos the comebacks and i feel like it's a little reliant on that but it's spongebob so you really don't mind and yeah i noticed when they brought in bring it around town like that one more time and it was like Oh wow! I almost applauded. Yeah, yeah, they've they've definitely done a lot of these, and and I know in a in an upcoming episode they even have a still frame of uh, Steven Hillenburg's one of his original drawings of SpongeBob when he was originally SpongeBoy, and I know that's going to be showing up in a future episode, which was super nice to see. Yeah, I, I wonder what it's what the context of that scene is going to be, but it's going to be a really cool cameo nonetheless. Uh, and yeah, not to spoil it, but yeah, it definitely is is something in line of of what we were saying. Those kind of quirky episodes where SpongeBob can just kind of go off and do his own thing. Um, now, one other thing you mentioned is for the collab coming up. You are you did say you were doing a little something within the music. 
Um, is, is that other than voice acting? Is is that something you'd like to get into? Is at least something along the lines of of musical score and things like that? Well, there isn't very much to say yet, but I will say this. Um, it's interesting how it came about. They had on the Casting Call Club a section for people to submit scores, and it seemed that up to that point when I submitted my thing that no one had been decided on, and they didn't seem to have much luck getting people like musicians. And I realized I had for a while now been recreating like scores and soundtracks from stuff by ear because in real life I have perfect pitch, so I can recreate sounds like that I hear or music that I hear. And I had this program for making music and several instrumental plugins so I could recreate. And I, as a test, I recreated the song from the background music from one scene in the movie called, and the score I believe is called the two friends end. And ultimately I submitted that on the discord and they seemed fond of it. And as of now it's looking like I am a part of recreating the score for background music and whatnot. Yeah, that I mean, that's incredible. That's, uh, I, I, that's like the one thing out of all entertainment. I can, I can do video and audio and, uh, and host and be on camera, off camera, edit. But music has always just been so foreign to me. I can't. I can play like two songs on the piano, and it took me like a week to learn a very small chord progression, uh, uh, chord progression on a guitar, just to play one little little song. So is, is like music something you, you've always been into or is that just something? Well, it's uh, not so new. I'm not particularly into too much music other than really singing. Yep. But um, that's been that whole thing I've known about my ability to understand music from, from just hearing it from a young age. And since, since I'd say middle school, early middle school, I've been singing and I've been doing all that for a lot. So I think, yeah, my connection to music is either singing or definitely just listening to things that come out of a movie score composed by someone like, let's say, Danny Elfman or Hans Zimmer, the composer for film. That's what I love about music, what it conveys in a story. Well, I, how appropriate is it that you're playing Squidward and you're you're talking about having these these powers with music this understanding of music i think it's super appropriate um guns do you have anything out there that you'd like to promote uh past this uh past the spongebob movie rehydrated oh i appreciate that i i the only thing i can really promote is my youtube channel which is the same name as my name here the guns fam where i create content related to my voice voice impressions there's things having to do with various characters and whatnot even outside of spongebob and i think i'm i can make some decent content and funny little scenarios every now and then and i think people might enjoy that oh absolutely anybody listening uh, go go to youtube check them out uh if if you happen to even be watching one video comment on it let them know the let them know that you you watched listen to this episode and and follow it along um now, I'm putting you on the spot here. Is there any way that uh, Squidward could sign off this podcast in any way he seems f like he wants to do? Yes. I believe that while I don't like the... Okay, I'll admit. I like SpongeBob. Don't tell him, but I'm going to tell him this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday, dear SpongeBob. Don't tell anyone I said that. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> that was perfect, Guns fam. Thank you for being Thank on the show. So no problem. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh!